So our reading this morning is from Matthew 26, uh, on page 996 in the Bibles in front of you. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray, so that you will not fall into any temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed. My father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Before I started, I thought I'd show you uh, a couple of photos, if I can uh, indulge slightly. Uh, I just wanted to let you know how wonderful Scott looked at his ordination. We, um, oh, I've got the wrong one. Hang on. There he is. Where is Scott? resplendent Scott that's the description well done now uh, we had something significant happen for our family Uh, our second daughter got engaged and the boyfriend set the most impossibly high bar for any boyfriend and I think has really set the level high for anyone at night church Um, Sophie's been over in Europe for five weeks and Isaac's been working on a uh, cadetship program with um, James Hardy he's a chemical engineering student Anyway, he came to see us, asked permission, and uh, flew to Paris for the weekend to surprise my daughter and pop the question. So Sophie got engaged. So I do love that photo. Yeah, yeah. And if that doesn't warm your heart, I don't know what would. Let me pray. Father, we do thank you for when life is good. And I thank you for bringing Scott here and Carolyn, the family, and it's wonderful to see him ordained and recognised for his skills and abilities and giftedness and godly character. Father, it's great to see romance and I thank you for my own family and what's happened. But Lord, as we turn this morning to think about um, praying your will be done, I pray, give us your wisdom and your strength to understand this 
and to pray it into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, one of the great privileges for me and for anyone in pastoral ministry is to be able to pray with people at the various stages of life that they go through. And in the course of a month, you'll pray with people with all sorts of conditions, if I can put it that way. Uh, There'll be some that you pray with who are seeking to know God and there's a sense of excitement and anticipation as you pray with them and pray for them. There'll be other people who are struggling just to believe for a whole myriad of reasons as they encounter life and they wonder, where is God? And sometimes, literally, they can't pray and you are just praying for them. And it's a great privilege to be there helping them at that point in their life. There'll be others who are rejoicing in what God is doing and you get an opportunity to stop and just say, thank you, Lord. And you'll be with people at the very end of life to pray for them and with them literally as they prepare themselves to enter eternity and meet the Lord Jesus themselves. And as we go through the Lord's Prayer, we've learnt about praying that the primary thing we need to start with is knowing that God is our Father. And that's why it was wonderful to remember his love endures forever. And we have great confidence knowing that God loves us, but also that he's in heaven and he rules the world and so we can come to a loving Father and pray to him. And there's a great sense of joy as we magnify the name that is above every name, the name of the Lord Jesus. And we pray for his kingdom to come and the Lord Jesus to return. And what a wonderful day that will be when Jesus comes back. It'll be amazing. But today we're in different territory. And I do wonder if this is the hardest of all prayers to pray. Your will be done. A husband is told that his wife has cancer and she is just 52 years old. And you go to visit them and you pray for her healing but finish with the words, Father, we leave her in your hands. Your will be done. A 36-year-old mother has just put her three boys to bed and is quietly reading and enjoying the peace and quiet. Her husband is away on a work trip when all of a sudden the calm of the evening is interrupted by the news that her husband is dead. The car that he was travelling in between country towns has hit a pothole and flipped and he's been crushed. And you wonder, how is it possible to pray those words, your will be done? A young girl is aged eight and her parents notice that her balance and coordination are not what they should be for an eight-year-old. In fact, they're getting worse. And after extensive medical examination, it's discovered that she has a rare muscular dystrophy and that her muscles literally at the age of eight are beginning to waste away. And most of her life will be spent in a wheelchair most of her short life, she's told that the life expectancy for most is not beyond teenage years. And you ponder the question, your will be done? 
A successful ophthalmologist feels convicted every time missionaries come to church. And he wonders, what is he doing with his life? His children have now finished school and university. He's in his early 50s. And he dares not pray. Your will be done. In case he finds out the answer. A young Greek Orthodox man discovers the gospel and is born again and joins the local Anglican church and starts following Jesus personally. But his family harass him at every turn. The only safe place he's discovered to read his Bible at home is sitting on the toilet in the bathroom. And he comes upon this prayer, Heavenly Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. A young Jewish man sits alone in a garden at night and one of his closest friends, who he's just shared a meal with that evening, has left early and has betrayed him for just a few thousand dollars. And he knows that the betrayers will be coming to get him that night and kill him. And so he goes to a quiet park in the middle of the evening and the moon is out and his soul is in agony because he knows what is at stake is the salvation of the world. And he has two choices before him, avoid the suffering and run away to supposed freedom or safety or wait for the hour to come. And he falls to his face on the ground and prays, my father, it's possible. May this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. He sits for a period. And then the second time he prays, my father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, May your will be done. There is no doubt a great joy and a comfort in knowing that God is our Father. There's also a wonderful security knowing that our Heavenly Father is seated in heaven on the throne and that he rules and he oversees our lives with care. There is a Joy that we find expressing the wonder and magnifying of God's name in the Lord Jesus Christ. A security and a joy. And there's also a great excitement when you think about God's kingdom coming. But I want to say I think there's a massive personal and countercultural challenge to praying Your will be done. I think it's the most difficult of prayers to pray. Not my will, Lord, but your will be done. It can be difficult, it can be scary, it can be incredibly painful. And I just want to look this morning, theologically and then pastorally, at this prayer. Firstly, uh, theologically. 
what are we to make of the will of God? And I use the word theology deliberately, deliberately because um, I know some people kind of push away from thinking or reading theology books, but the reality is all of us here actually have a theology in the sense that theology just means the knowledge of God. And all of us will have an understanding about who God is, whether it is, if I can say, an accurate and a helpful one informed by scripture. Well, that's another question. But all of us will have ideas, we'll have a theology about God. And you see, we need to actually have our understanding of God and his will, our theology of it, shaped by scripture. And I say that because in relation to this topic of God's will, um, there's a lot of ideas that float around that I hear people say. Things like, well, God's will for me is to be healthy and happy. Uh, God's will is for me to be rich and to be successful. Uh, God's will is for me not to be married but to be single. And the, the list goes on. And when you reflect on the different things that you hear from people and you boil them all down, so often God's will is their desire, not God's will, and what they're really wanting to sanctify in prayer is what they would like. In other words, actually, I really would like to be healthy and happy and rich and successful and married and have a great life. And is this what the Bible teaches? And my concrete test for any claim is, look at what Scripture has to say. And in particular, on this issue, the Bible's not against health, the Bible's not against enjoying the creation. But actually, what is God's will for our life? And I reckon one of the best ways to reflect on how your prayers line up with what Scripture teaches is look at the prayers that you find in the New Testament and the way that Jesus prays for us and the way the apostles prays for us. And you see, when you read their prayers, what you're really seeing is their heart for what God wants for us, his will for us. And these are the kinds of things you'll find in the New Testament. When they pray for disciples, they're praying that disciples will endure persecution and suffering. Uh, they'll be praying that disciples will shine like light in the darkness. Uh, they're praying that they will, in the words of Paul in Colossians chapter 1, that will lead lives worthy of the Lord, will bear fruit in every good work, will grow in the knowledge of God, we will endure and give thanks to our Heavenly Father. In other words, there's a different focus because, you see, the worldview of the Bible is radically different to what our culture has. And our current culture is centred around personal comfort and lifestyle, not around doing the will of God. There's a famous book written by the author Rick Warren, preacher and church planter. And it was called The Purpose Driven Life. And what he's really reflecting on that book is, what is God's will for your life? And the opening sentence, i never forget, it was so powerful, he just wrote this. It's not about me. It's not about me. And if you want to understand God's purpose for your life, it's actually not about me. It's primarily about God. And when you think about the will of God, I've got a verse up on the screen here. Uh, there are two aspects of it, and a great if I can say summary of it, is in Deuteronomy 29, 29. If you want to have a look, look up, but I've got it on the screen for us. And Moses is instructing the people of God. It's kind of in his closing sermon or message to them. And he said, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us 
and to our children forever that we may follow all the words of the law. And you can break that down in two ways. What he says is, uh, God has a secret will. There are secret things that God is doing according to his purposes and will. And they belong to him, not to us. But secondly, there is a revealed will. There are things revealed that belong to us and to our children forever that we may follow all the words of the law. And so when you think about God's will, there is a secret will and there is a revealed will. And let me just think about, firstly, this topic of God's secret will because it's very important to understand this as we think about God's will for our life. Because what it's saying is that God is going to be at work in this world in ways that we don't fully understand. In fact, we may never understand. Because God is at work in the world. He's in control of all things, including the rulers of the world, the leaders of organisations and nations. And the Bible says he raises up leaders and also he brings them to nothing. The Bible also teaches that even evil and suffering are under his control. His sovereign control, they're not outside of him. Now, I am aware in saying this, it does raise questions about the nature of God. If God is in control of suffering, why does he allow it? If God is in control of evil, why does it appear to reign? Well, let me just say, um, to posit that evil and suffering are outside of God's control, that he actually doesn't control them, actually raises even bigger questions and bigger problems from a philosophical point of view. Uh, What it means is that there is no answer to evil and suffering. There is no God who is in control of it and who will one day bring it to account and one day end it. Because he has not got that power. And you have kind of a Star Wars universe where you've got kind of the yin and yang between the force and the dark side that kind of wanes and depending on who's in ascendancy. No, the Bible teaches God is sovereignly in control of this world and he will be at work in the world, in our lives, but in a way that we may not fathom. And one of the questions I'm asked as a pastor, when difficult and suffering happens, and it's, it's, the, it's the most, you, you can't answer it, it's why? Why did my daughter drop dead in the playground? I remember sitting with a family. We don't know why. Why her, not the hundreds of others at the school? Rare heart condition, an illness that struck her down. What we do know when it comes to suffering and the questions of evil and God's will is this. And it's not an easy verse to take hold of, but a profoundly important one. Paul says, we know that in all things, in other words, the things that we don't understand, the secret things, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. And you see, when you think about God's will, and in particular his sovereign secret will, there are things in life that we are not going to understand why they've happened. And it can result in great suffering and loss. But what the Bible teaches is in the midst of it, there is a God who loves us and is in control and will work things out for good. 
This is not the verse to read to someone when they've lost their daughter who died in the playground. It is a verse to have here in church to prepare us because things will go south at some point in our life. And we have to remember this and affirm actually he's in control, he loves us in spite of what's going on and he will bring good out of this. That's God's secret or sovereign will. But secondly, he's revealed well. And what's interesting is when you look at the New Testament in terms of the topic of how God reveals his will, it's centred in the Lord Jesus Christ. And here is a classic verse. I could have picked a number of them. But Ephesians 1 verse 9 to 10, have a look at it on the screen. Um, And it's at the end of this long description, theologically rich, quite dense, but incredible, about the way God is at work in the world. And it closes this way. He's made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. In other words, it's an incredible privilege that we get insight into how God's at work. The scriptures reveal it to us. Which he purposed in Christ. In other words, at the centre of his will is the Lord Jesus. And what is it to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfilment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In other words, um, the great purpose and will of God is that there comes a day, which we talked about last week, when everything is going to be underneath the Lord Jesus Christ. He will rule and we'll be brought in unity together. Those who are opposed to him will, will experience his rule and they will be thrown out of the kingdom. Those who wait for him will worship him in freedom and joy. As his kingdom comes in, you see all things in heaven and under earth are going to be reconciled Christ will be all in all. That is the will of God, that he is glorified in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does that mean for us? And praying your will be done. Well, the first thing to note is that the revealed will of God is primarily about what God is doing in the world and only secondarily about us. In other words, uh, we have to live our lives underneath that. We're not the centre of the universe. I hate to disappoint you. If that's the way you came into church this morning, you thought, I am the centre of this world and I rule my castle. Actually, you don't. There is another one who is bigger and stronger and more wonderful than you. And his name is Jesus. And history is hurtling down the path towards the day when that will be revealed. And so when you think about our lives... And God's will for us. You read things like this. At the end of that verse on God working for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, he says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. In other words, his great plan for you, for me, is that we actually, as followers of the Lord Jesus, become conformed to his image. We get made into the likeness of Christ. So that when we see him on that great day, we will be reflecting his glory. And a big part of our life is actually to reflect the wonder of Jesus in the world so that people start to see and hear. The eight-year-old girl with muscular dystrophy, her name was Jenny. I met her first at a wedding I was taking. And by this stage, she was in her early 20s. She'd survived school. She was withered. It was distressing to look at her, but yet there was a a spirit about her that was remarkable. But she was not a Christian. 
And she came and heard the wedding and saw it and witnessed it and heard me preached and was very struck by the message that day. She started coming to church and we had a speaker come, an evangelist who spoke the good news of the gospel and spoke to her about the wonder of the new creation where our bodies will be restored and she gave her life to Christ in her early 20s. She completed a BA in Arts at the university. How? I have no idea. She had to move a thing with her mouth to use the computer. And I remember taking her up as a young Christian to hear Joni Erickson Tata at the 2000 Paralympic Games here in Sydney. And to see these two people who were trapped in wheelchairs but yet were being transformed and had been transformed by the gospel such that even in their incredibly awful, debilitated state were reflecting the glory of the hope that we have in Christ. It was incredible. And Jenny was being conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus as Joni Erica Tardisa had been. You see, that is God's will for us, that we become conformed to the image of God. Secondly, it's worship. When you read on in Romans, Paul says this, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. That's what I'm praying that you will give your life wholly, sacrificially, to the service of God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. In other words, uh, the way we grow in learning and doing God's will is by sacrificially worshipping him. We offer our life to the living God in Christ. And we say, here I am, use me. And it's in when that, we're in that place that we'll know God's will for our life. Third, God's will is for us to be holy. Paul said these words, it's God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. There's a general statement and a specific application here. The general statement is you should be sanctified. Now that's the word for holiness. It means you're set apart for his purposes. That's God's will for your life, that you as a follower of Christ are set apart for him. Specific application to the people in Thessalonica was this, that they should avoid sexual immorality. Don't sleep around. If you're single, don't have sex. Wait till marriage. All that stuff we've been through. God's will for us is to be holy, but it's far greater than sexuality. It's in all of our life. Another one that you'll see the Apostle talk about is contentment. Uh, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In other words, however you find yourself in terms of state of health, finances, work, relational situation, actually learn to give thanks for the blessings you have there. God's will is for us to be content and in our contentment to glorify him. You see, God is most glorified in us 
when we are most satisfied in him. Let me say that again. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. In other words, the finances, the health, the relational situations, whatever it is, that's not what drives our satisfaction. It's actually that we know Christ. God's will is for us to be living witnesses. This is a very striking one. If you read 1 Peter, uh, the apostle writes to scattered Christians and one of the great issues that they've been confronted with is suffering for their faith. It's not the suffering, if I can say, of illness that I've spoken about, but it's the suffering of people opposing you for your faith. And Paul says, uh, Peter, to wrap it up, says, So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and they should continue to do good. Those who suffer according to God's will. In other words, what's most important for us is not that we avoid suffering, but rather that we continue to do good in the midst of it. It's quite striking, isn't it? You see, because it's a Christ-centred world that Peter is praying about. And what he's most concerned about is that his people give glory to him, even in the most difficult of circumstances, that we glorify the one that we know is king. And we are living witnesses to him. So theologically, how do I wrap it up? Well, to pray God's will means knowing that there are questions that you're never going to have answered. But what has been revealed to us is that there is a purpose and a plan to God. And that purpose and plan is that one day he's going to bring all things under Christ. And his will for our lives is that we now live for that day in every aspect of our life. And we seek his will for how we can work that out. But what does that mean pastorally? How do we pray this prayer that is so difficult? Well, let me just make some pastoral reflections. I want to say we should pray this prayer every day as we wake up and go out the door. Now, I'm not sure what your daily routine is. Uh, I know that... With myself, there's a sense as you walk out the door, you're thinking about what's on your desk, uh, what's in your diary, uh, and what's coming up in the days and weeks and months ahead. And I want to say to us, I think pastorally, we need to walk out the door praying this prayer before we do anything else. God, this day, may your will be done. And I say that because when you read the Apostle James, that's Jesus' stepbrother, he warns us about being presumptuous in life and thinking that we are the masters of our destiny. Listen to what James says. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Uh, well, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will... We will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes and all such boasting is evil. Friends, you never know if this day will be your last one. We've just done three funerals month after month of people who have died from our eight o'clock congregation. And it's been very sudden for some of them. You never know what you will confront each day. And so each day needs to be lived for God's glory, content with and thankful for the life that you have here on earth now, whatever the circumstances that you're in. 
And we are to find joy in knowing him who died for us and find our purpose in serving him who rules the world and will one day return. And so every day as you walk out the door, I want to encourage you, pray, Father, your will be done. Secondly, praying this prayer doesn't preclude praying for miracles or God's intervention. Uh, We are not fatalists. One of the incredible things about the secret will of God is this. He actually uses our prayers to outwork his will. Now, if that's too big for your brain, join the club, okay? In other words, his will is sovereign, he'll do what he wants, but he actually includes our prayers in that. They are real and significant. And so it's why you've got this prayer that says, pray your will be done, along with others that say, pray according to my word and it will be done. John 15 verse 7. And so Jesus teaches us to pray your will be done. He also teaches us to persist in prayer like a nagging complainant before a judge who thinks they've been ripped off. Keep going to the Father and praying. It's why we keep praying for Dave and Amana. And it may be, and God forbid that it does, but it may be he gets sent home to Burundi and that would be incredibly, it'd be awful and incredibly dangerous. But we will have to affirm that God is still in control and his will be done. But in the meantime, I tell you what, I'm going to be praying a lot of prayers for him. And for anyone else in similar circumstances. You see, God is in control and his will will be done. But he will also use our prayers to achieve that. And so we need to keep praying for God to heal or save or intervene or protect or provide in all the different circumstances of life. So don't give up praying, persist and keep calling on God for his will to be done. Thirdly, we need to pray with our Bibles open. Because if the revealed will of God is found in Scriptures, we need to have our Scriptures open so that we know the mind of God and we can pray faithfully according to it. Because when the crisis comes, and they do, after all is said and done, we must still pray, your will be done. We must affirm and believe that God is sovereign and still ruling the world, even if our own world is crashing down all around us. We pray your will be done. The 52-year-old mother who had breast cancer, I sat with her and prayed for healing. I sat with Larry, her husband. We held hands. She died at 53. And at the end of the day, I have to pray your will be done. The 36-year-old mother with three boys is my mother. And I often wonder why. Do you know there were two people in the car that day? There was the nurse and my father, the medical specialist. The window was open. She didn't have her seatbelt on. My father did. She was thrown out the window with two scratches. Your will be done. The eight-year-old girl with rare muscular dystrophy. I married them and I watched her slowly decline and she eventually died at age 30. 
the successful ophthalmologist who from a worldly point of view had all to live for left it all behind because the prayer got too much and in his early 50s left Australia and went to Iraq it was so dangerous he could never walk home from work the same way because he knew there were people who were tracking him and would organize his death and yet he was there as a Christian to be a living witness to the Lord Jesus and train Iraqi Islamic doctors in how to further their eye surgery, including donation of equipment. Your will be done. The Greek Orthodox young man has hung in there despite massive persecution. Your will be done. And that young Jewish man who prayed in the garden, I'm sure you know his name. It's Jesus. And ever so thankfully, we have to say thank you, Jesus, that you did the will of the Father at complete cost to yourself. And what's more, you are not removed from our suffering. Or the vagarities of life. Or the confrontation with evil. But rather you faced it. And in the place of personal ease, you took on the sins of the world and bore the wrath of your Father in our place so that we could be saved. And not just saved so that a new creation could come in. And that the hope of the gospel could be preached to the world. And people could find out through your death and resurrection that there is a world where there is no cancer. There are no potholes that cause car accidents. There's no muscular dystrophy. There's no families abusing their children because they want to follow Jesus. There is just your son. And one day we will see that in glory. Father, your will be done. I just want us to be quiet now and to pray. And I want to ask the question, how do you need to pray for God's will to be done in your life? Let's just be quiet for 30 seconds. Friends, if you need prayer for a range of issues, I'm going to mention four different ones. And I've written some prayers here and I'd love to pray for people who are struggling. It may be health. It may be work. It may be relationships. It may be future direction. But if you're here this morning and you need prayer for your health for whatever reason, you need God to be at work to heal and restore you. I want to invite you just to stand so I can pray for you. And I'm going to go through these four areas. And so as our heads are bowed, if you're here this morning needing prayer for your health, I just want to invite you to stand so I can pray for you and for God's will to be outworked in your life. Please stand now. God bless you. God bless you.
Let us pray for our friends here. Dear Heavenly Father, we just bring these men and women before you. And we pray, please have mercy upon them. And heal these your servants. Give them the assurance of your presence. Strength to cope with their adversities and afflictions. Your spirit to heal and protect them. And whatever happens, Lord, we pray that you may guard their hearts and minds with the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that you are in control. Lord, we do ask for their healing and restoration. May your will be done. Amen. Please be seated. I wonder if there are people here this morning who need prayer for where they're working. It may be difficulties, it may be wisdom. It may be that things are looking really bad, I don't know. But if you would like prayer for where you are working or your business, please do stand now. God bless you. Let me pray for those. Dear Heavenly Father, as these people go to work each day, we ask that you would guide and strengthen them to serve you with great ability and effectiveness. Father, whatever is the issue that is besetting them, we pray be at work in it to restore, to guide, to give them wisdom, to give them strength. May your peace guard their hearts and minds, whatever the outcome, knowing that you are in control. Be at work in their lives, we pray, Lord, may your will be done. Amen. For those who are struggling with relationships, be it family, friends, loved ones, it might be for wisdom, contentment, for reconciliation. If that's you today, I'd like you to stand. I want to pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, relationships are so important in our life. It's how you've made us. I want to pray that you would work for good in these relationships to bring peace and reconciliation where there is disharmony, to bring forgiveness and hope where there has been wrongs committed. Give these people wisdom about how they can outwork your will in their lives and in the relationships they ask for so that they can model the love of Christ. Work in their lives, we pray, in Jesus' name, your will be done. Amen. And lastly, I want to pray for anyone who needs future direction and wisdom and guidance. And if you're here this morning and you just are not sure what you're doing in your life or you just need God's wisdom and guidance for the future, I want to pray for you. If you'd like to stand, let me pray for you. God bless you all. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for these servants who have stood as well. I pray this day that you would work for good in the lives of these people. Guide them by your light and the revelation of your word, the scriptures. May it bring wisdom and insight into their life. Put around them wise people who will give them godly counsel. I pray give them an extra measure of your Holy Spirit 
to assist them and guide them and give them wisdom. Help them to know your will for their lives. We pray your will be done. Amen. Please be seated. Well, that's it from me. We're going to have our closing song. It's uh, the collection song. If you're a visitor, please do put that Connect card in. For our regular members, a chance for those who don't give electronically to give towards the ministry. But let's stand and sing, I Surrender.